my uh, joy to share with you this morning. It's great when you just feel like the Holy Spirit has already just paved the way and really uh, given your message for you during those uh, words uh, that we had and uh, the time of worship of just causing us to surrender afresh to God and surrender ourselves and empty ourselves of ourselves um, and be focused on God. I love that line in Be Thou My Vision, heart of my own heart. And uh, God is, you know, should be at the center of our lives. And today we're going to be continuing actually on from what Steve brought last week as he focused more on the Holy Spirit, be looking at making the best use of time. But I've got a just a couple of modern quotes to begin with, which I want you to fill in the blank afterwards. So if I was to say another day, another dollar, that's right, another day, another dollar, usually used to refer to um, uh, how the endless toil of work uh, we need to do to make a bit of money. Uh, sadly, in places where we're going this week, actually, uh, that is literally uh, true as well for some people. Another more popular and probably more appropriate uh, phrase for us in the West is time is... Time is money. Yes, the implication being that the, uh, to generate money is the most important thing. We're wasting our time if we're not focused on getting more money because money doesn't grow on trees. There you go. Yes, it doesn't. But I tell you what, what grows on trees may make you money, you see. So money, money, money. It makes the world go round. Is money the best use of your time? Is life about making money? Which, of course, I hope you all know the answer to. Do you know... What, what is the most misquoted verse in the Bible? Do people know? That's it, yeah. Yeah, that money is the root of all evil. That's what the misquote is. But actually what it says is, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through the, this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So money is of less value than keeping in the faith then. In fact, Jesus makes this clear to us when he says you cannot serve both God and money. So obviously serving God is more important there. And God knows your practical needs. He made us with bodies and practical uh, needs uh, as well. And so he does encourage us to work for money at times, so that, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, that we may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on nobody. More than this, it encourages us so that we can give generously uh, to the work of God amongst us. But Jesus' emphasis in that passage that I uh, uh, just quoted from a moment ago is that we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, money and practical needs, would be added to you. Matthew 6, verse 33. So in doing that, in seeking first God's kingdom, he may well, you may be called by God to be a plasterer as much as you would be a preacher, Maybe called by God to be a cashier as much as you would to be a children's worker, a teacher as a theologian, an accountant as uh, an apostle 
of God. It's not what you do. It's that you, whatever God has called you to do, you work heartily unto the Lord, is what the Bible encourages us to do in that. And God being the ultimate one that we serve with our time. So let's remove that mantra of time is money. It's not Christian, and it's not what God would have for you. It's not the best way to live. Um, God has a better way for you and I to live. So let me ask you some other questions to get you thinking about making the best use of time. So I'm making you work this morning, so be thinking. If you had one week to live, and you would have all the health that you currently have until the Lord took you to be with him, what would you do over this next week? Just be thinking on that a moment. What would you do? Behave yourself, Mr. Matthews. I can hear you out there. Let me ask you another question. If you knew that this next week was going to be the most important week in your life, and the rest of your life will be shaped by what you did over this next week, how would that affect your attitude, your routine, and the decisions of what you did? Just ponder on that a second before I ask the final question, just to really help hone in on this. If you knew that over the next week, what you did would still matter in 500 years' time, how would that impact what you chose to do and what you chose not to do? You see, the chances are, on any of those questions, making money didn't feature in your thinking. It probably didn't even come into your mind at all. But being more intentional, being more thoughtful, being kind, investing in your family, basically ensuring the things that you do things that actually matter, appreciating loved ones, taking time to marvel over God's creation. And if you know Jesus, as most of us do in the room, then serving God to the best of your ability would be right up there in your thinking of what you would do over the next week. My friends, you see, God has made you for eternity. If you've come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as many of us have, we've passed from death, the Bible says, into life. You have eternal life in Christ Jesus with a sure and certain hope that when you die and your spirit goes to be with him, it will be with him until he returns And then you'll get your resurrected body and you'll live on a renewed and a perfected world for all eternity with God. Your life has eternal significance, whether you realize it or not. So don't get distracted by temporary things. It's what the Bible would encourage us. And certainly, let's not give it to pursuing sinful things that bring us under God's judgment. Let's, let's remove that clutter out of the toy box that we were uh, reminded of in that word this morning. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. 
to us in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15. He says, basically, your life has been put on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ when you become a Christian. You're secure and safe in him. What you build with your life afterwards will be tested by heavenly fire coming down upon your work. If you have wasted your time on temporary things, on uh, pursuing those things, then actually you will suffer loss before God because you'll suddenly, and, and it mustn't minimize that loss either, that you'll feel momentarily before God, the Almighty. When you're standing there before Almighty God, realizing that the Almighty has given everything, even the death of his Son on your behalf, and you have wasted all that he has given you. That moment will be a dreadful and terrible moment. Let's not minimize that. But if you give yourself to working alongside the Holy Spirit, to enabling, uh, allowing him to work through your, vice, your life, listening to that, that voice of, uh, of, uh, of the Holy Spirit, not, not Woody, although Woody is in my mind a lot now, but uh, um, it's a great film, that, isn't it, Dan's Toy Story? It's a good film, yeah, yeah. Listening to the Holy Spirit's voice, and you're building your life with what Paul describes as silver, gold, and precious stones, which God himself will reward you for all that you do for him. So let's use the time that God has given us, not on temporary things, certainly not distracted with sinful things, but things of eternal value. Amen? Amen. The Bible puts it like this, and I want to look at the passage that, that Steve helpfully brought last week as he focused more on being filled with the Spirit, which I'll mention uh, briefly. But I want to look at this passage a little bit more deeply uh, as it's really relevant to what God is speaking to us through this morning. It says this in verse 15 of uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, the word there for walk, Paul's not really concerned about how you walk, whether you, you know, walk like a woman's man with no time to talk, or whether you strut your stuff like a model. He's not talking about how you physically walk. It's a Jewish idiom for how you live your life. What does your life look like? Not as unwise, not as unthoughtful, but as wise. The word there used for wise could also mean skilled, like a, a skilled builder, like someone like Chris, for example, who's a carpenter, who can, you know, if I try to make things out of wood, it doesn't look very good, nor does it last very long, sadly. But if you get Chris to build you something, or Andy Lever or Kurt, then actually it will not only look good, but it'll be fit for purpose, and it will last as well. The image there is that we become skilled at how we go about the journey of life. We give thought to how we are living our lives, the paths that we choose to walk down and the paths that we choose to avoid as well. Because 
We need to be people that make the best use of time, the time given us. As it said of King David, he served the Lord in his generation and then he slept. And that will be true for all of us. We need to make sure we make the best use of our, of our time. Or as the NIV puts it, the most of every opportunity that comes our way. And as we've already determined, making money is not the best use of time. Worldly things is not the best use of time. For the days are evil, the Bible says. There are many pitfalls. There are many dangers, toils and snares that we will have to go through. There are many unreliable ideologies that are out there that look tempting, that look attractive, but actually they will lead to your harm, the harm of other people around you, and they'll bring you under God's judgment as well. So don't be foolish, senseless, or without reason. You know, no good builder would willingly use poor quality or inappropriate materials for something they're building for themselves. You wouldn't plaster your fireplace with chocolate, would you? Because it wouldn't really last very long. Yet many Christians are building their lives, putting temporary things into their life, investing their time of things of no eternal value that will be burned up on that day that we stand before Christ. So to live wisely, to live skillfully, as the word will imply, to make the best use of our time is to live in the light of the revealed word of God that has been revealed in Scripture for all time. Or, as Paul puts it in this passage, to understand the will of the Lord. Which, actually, we've seen over the last few weeks as we've been going through this series. It's come up a number of times. It's quite simple, really. It can be summed up by loving God and loving our neighbor, earthed in the reality of loving our local church, the people of God, and playing our part through it to fulfill the great commission that God has. You know, for God, since the sixth day of creation, or the first day that he made humanity, has made known his will for people. All, he wants people all over the earth living in communities in a way that bring him glory, just as the waters cover the sea. He made that clear right at the beginning. And God's plan has not altered. Yes, he took Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden to begin that plan. But he'd set the vision before them. And as they multiplied, the, so would the space that they occupied. Later on, he puts the people of Israel in the promised land to live in that land. In a way, they're called to be like a kingdom of priests drawing the other nations to God as well. And of course, through the church, both whether Jew or Gentile, it's about being going into all the world now and making disciples of all nations so that we can form God-honoring communities all over the earth that bring God glory. That's, that's God's plan. That's God's stated purpose since the sixth day, as I say, of creation. So what does that look like? What does that look like for us day to day? How can we make the best use of time that God has given us. Let's read on, because the Apostle Paul makes it clear. And do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in our heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Hallelujah. Don't waste your life on pursuing a high or getting drunk or that sort of thing, but pursue being filled with the Spirit. As Steve encouraged us last week, the be filled, as he reminded us, and I'm going to remind you again this week, is in the present continuous tense. It's something that we do ongoingly. We seek more of God. We need his Holy Spirit. We need more of God's love at work in our lives, transforming us, helping us to live for Jesus. The Spirit gives you power to put to death your sinful nature. He changes you from the inside out. He changes your heart and your mind to want to please God. You know, many of you um, will know my past. Some of you won't. That uh, Before I was living for Jesus, I wasn't a very nice person. And actually, I was involved in stealing things, just uh, minor things in, in a way. But I would steal things if I got the opportunity. And uh, when I first became a Christian, this was something the Spirit, obviously, rightly, convicted me over. I'd still see something, and I'd you know, want to, oh, this is a nice iPad or something. I'll have that one. Thank you, Nathan. You know, I'd still, I'd still uh, uh, take it if I had had the opportunity. Oh, no, I wouldn't take it. Sorry, I'd still be tempted to take it if I had the opportunity. But the Holy Spirit would say, hey, sir, you can't do that. That belongs to Nathan. Let's put it back. So I, uh, uh, I would. And, uh, and, I, uh, and I'd put to death that, that, thought, that, that, that thought and that desire. And he gave me the strength to do that. Now, fast forward the story about 10 years. It was when... Um, Cashback was quite new. For you could get cashback from a machine, and uh, I had shows how old I am. Sorry, uh, but uh, anyway, it's not even a thing anymore, is it? It's all on your phone. But uh, um, uh, I had an opportunity because someone had, drew, uh, had done cashback for a hundred pounds and then walked away and left it, and it was just there. The machine was beeping at me. A hundred pounds was sitting there. Beep, 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 and as quick as a flash, just ten years later, the thought came into my mind. You could take that. She's gone. And, uh, but what was interesting is over that 10-year period, the Holy Spirit had so worked in my heart that that very thought that actually I believe was the devil had put in there uh, was repulsive to me, not attractive to me. I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I could. It was like, oh, that's not my money. Why would I do that? And I was able, the girl had long gone, but I was able to call her back and uh, um, uh, and uh, say, I think you forgot something. And she's like, oh my goodness, I forgot. You know, I nearly lost £100. Um, but uh, that's what the work of the Holy Spirit does within us. The Spirit gives us gifts to, and the ability to um, do works for Jesus. As Duncan read this morning, he has good works for each one of us to walk in. We're called to be a people of the Spirit, to seek his infilling in our lives daily, just like we have water, just like we need water, we need it regularly to, to drink uh, water to top us up. We need to be filled with the Spirit. Give yourself to being filled with the Spirit. Long after him, he wants you. God wants you to want more 
of him in your life. And more than that, the Spirit wants to empower you to live for God. Give yourself and your heart to worshipping him, thanking him, praising him. Do you know what the average amount of time people look at a screen each day is, as per a study in 2020? Have a guess. Eight hours, that's, uh, no, it's not, uh, as in for leisure, not necessarily for work. Three hours, someone said here. Three hours is the average amount of time a day per person that people look at screens for leisure. My friends, what would your life look like if you spent three hours of that time focused on worshipping God, focused on the things of God rather than looking at a screen. Remember, as the Bible tells us, as Jesus tells us, that your eyes are the windows of your soul. What you choose to watch influences your heart and your mind as well. It shapes you. It changes your character, whether you realize it or, or not. There's many studies that show that. So be careful what you allow yourself to watch, firstly. But more than that, give yourself, give your time to worshipping God and communing with his spirit. It's of eternally better value for you to do that. It's better for you as well. It's the best use of time. But notice, which often gets skipped over in this passage, it's addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's serving or submitting to one another. You see, we so readily in our society think individualistically, think, oh, so yeah, no, I need to worship God more. And yes, it's true, we need to do things individually. But actually, Paul is addressing us about us worshiping together as well, on our own, but also as we gather together as a church. It's why the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, do not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day, it's the day of Jesus returning, coming, uh, drawing nearer. When we put things on, like has been mentioned tonight, a prayer meeting, when we put things like simply worship on, these are times for us to get together, and our heart if we have got a heart after God, should naturally be like, yes, I want to be there. I want to make time for this. Your life group each week is exactly that. It's a life-giving group. Opportunities to do everything that Ephesians 5 has just encouraged us to, to do. So, of course, the devil wants you to uh, feel tired or other things to come up or for you to sort of feel like, oh, I'm a bit fed up of it. I can't, can't be bothered. These groups are opportunities for us to make the best use of our time. And he doesn't want you to do that. Do you know, Ephesians goes on, actually, to show some very practical ways. As Steve said last week, the Bible is an incredibly practical book. But it goes on to show some practical ways how we can make the best use of our time. Because Paul goes on to speak about how we do that in our marriages, how we do that in our family Relations. If you're single here, 1 Corinthians 7 encourages, encourages you how you can do that 
in your context, in that actually what it calls an honored context where you can focus more fully on Jesus Christ. I appreciate for some who don't want to be single, that's a, that's a hard challenge. But trust God in that season. He has the best for you and he will help you. And at the right time, he will, he will also bring along somebody if that's right for you as well. Ephesians then goes on to talk about it in the context of our work as well, how we work for the Lord before encouraging us in every circumstance to stand on the truth, to advance the gospel, and to cover everything that we're doing in prayer. My friends, that's how we make the best use of our time and live in the light of God's revealed word to you and to me by loving God and by loving our neighbor, earthed in the reality of loving God's people and seeking to fulfill the Great Commission, which in the everyday involves us being filled with the Spirit, worshiping, praising, and thanking God with others as well as by ourselves as often as possible, serving one another in Christ, in our family, in our workplaces, striving to stand on the truth, advance the gospel, and seek God in prayer in all circumstances. Amen? Amen. Can I invite the band to come back up here?